We just want to read, dig straight in. This is our second week doing podcasts like this. Uh, well, I've, I've re- I really enjoyed it last week. Um, I even went back and listened to a little bit of it, uh, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think that this is a good medium through which to process this stuff. We've tried, uh, we've tried a couple different mediums so far, and kind of none of it's none of it's worked out. And then there's just nothing as ideal as sitting face to face with somebody and having yeah. a conversation. Uh, but we hope that like the conversation conversations that Kevin and I have and that Noah uh, included in that in the future. Uh, Noah couldn't be here today, so it's just Kevin and I. Uh, we hope that the conversations that we have about it uh, will will like will feel different than just reading it on your own. It'll feel more communal, you know, like it'll feel like you're processing it with us. Like our deep desire is to do everything we can to empower our students to be able to draw near to God during this time. Uh, and not just to endure this time, but to learn how to thrive during it and, and make yeah. the most of it by reading and by uh, reading the Bible mostly. But like this book is really good at supplementing your supplementing the Bible in a way that's like saying, hey, will you actually like live this thing? You know, mm-hmm. like we, we, we know what the Bible says. Like now let's see what it looks like to live it, you know? And it pushes you into like a, a hard pursuit of God, the way that the, uh, the way that the title of the book says. Apprehending God, chapter four is what we're in today. Uh, looking forward to this one. I was telling Kevin before we started recording, I think this is going to be a hot one today. Uh, so we'll see. Me and Kevin are going to cry by the end of the chapter. And if we don't, like, I'm a liar. I'm a liar now. I'm a freaking liar cry. now. If we don't cry normally, right. Pierce is going to punch me in the nose <laughs> and make me cry. I don't feel like that would work, though, Kevin. I feel like you're too tough that you just look at me like, why'd you do that? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd probably cry. <laughs> <might> tear up. <laughs> it's hard to get punched in the nose and not tear up. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll jump right in. And just like last time, uh, if you've already read and you don't want to sit through us reading, you can skip forward to... Yar, there'll be a pirate to tell you. 22 minutes, 7 seconds. Chapter 4, Apprehending God. O taste and see, Psalm 34, 8. It was Conan Holmes of India, who more than 25 years ago called attention to the inferential character of the average man's faith in God. To most people, God is an inference, not a reality. He is a deduction from evidence which they consider adequate but he remains personally unknown to the individual. He must be, they say, therefore we believe he is. Others do not even go so far as this. They know of him only by hearsay. They, say they have never bothered to think the matter out for themselves, but have heard about him from others and have put belief in him into the back of their minds along with other various odds and ends that make up their total creed. To many others, God is but an ideal, Another name for God, for goodness or beauty or truth, or he is law or life or the creative impulse behind the phenomena of existence. These notions about God are many and varied, but those who hold them have one thing in common. They do not know God in personal experience. The possibility of intimate acquaintance with him is not entered their minds while admitting his existence They do not think of him as knowable in the sense that we know things or people. 
Christians, to be sure, go further than the of God, at least in theory. Their creed requires them to believe in a personality of God, and they have been taught to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. Now, personality, now, yeah, now personality and fatherhood carry with them the idea of the possibility of personal acquaintance. This is admitted, I say, in theory. But for millions of Christians, nevertheless, God is no more real uh, than he is to the non-Christian. They go through life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. Over against all this cloudy vagueness stands the clear scriptural doctrine that God can be known in personal experience. A loving personality dominates the Bible. Walking among the trees of the garden and breathing fragrance over every, uh, over every scene. Always a living person is present, speaking, pleading, loving, working, and manifesting himself wherever, uh, whenever and wherever his people have the receptive, uh, receptivity necessary to receive the manifestation. The Bible assumes as a self-evident fact that men can know God with at least the same degree of intimacy as they know another, any other person or thing that comes within the field of their experience. The same terms are used to express the knowledge of God as are used to express the knowledge of physical things. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces. My sheep hear my voice. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. These are but four countless uh, four of countless such passages from the Word of God. And more important than any uh, proof text is the fact that the whole import of, of the Scripture is toward this belief. What can all this mean except that we have in our heart's organs by means uh, of which we have senses? God, as certainly as we know material things, through our familiar five senses. Okay, I think I made that sentence okay. <laughs> We apprehend the physical world by exercising the faculties given us for the purpose. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, help me as I read. Yeah, so we apprehend the physical world by exercising the, the, fac the faculties given us for this purpose. And we possess spiritual faculties by means of which we can know God and the scriptural world if we will obey the Spirit's urge and begin to use them. That a saving work must first be done in the heart is taken for granted here. The spiritual faculties of the unregenerate man lie asleep in his nature, unused and for every purpose dead. That is the stroke which has fallen upon us by sin. They may be quickened uh, to, to active life again by the operation of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. That is one of the immeasurable benefits which come to us through Christ's atoning work on the cross. But the very ransomed children of God themselves, why do they know so little uh, the, of that habitual conscious uh, communion with God, which the scriptures seem to offer? The answer is our chronic unbelief. Faith enables our spiritual sense to function. Where faith is defective, the result will be inward insensibility and numbness towards spiritual things. This is the condition of vast numbers of Christians today. No proof is necessary to support that statement. Uh, 
we have but to converse with the first Christian we see or meet or enter into the first church uh, we find open to acquire all the proof we need. Our spiritual kingdom lies all about us, enclosing us, embracing us, all together within reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is there waiting our response to his presence. The moment this eternal world uh, will come alive to us, the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. I have just now used two words which demand definition, or if definition is impossible, I must at least make clear what I mean when I use them. They are reckon and reality. What do I mean by reality? I mean that which has existence apart from any idea any mind uh, may have, have of it, and uh, which would exist if there were no mind anywhere to entertain a thought of it. That which is real has being in uh, itself. It does not depend upon the observer for its validity. I'm aware that there are those who love to poke fun at the plain man's idea of reality. They are the idealists who spin endless proofs uh, that nothing is real outside of the mind. They are, uh, they are the relativists who like to show that there are no fixed points in the universe from which we can measure anything. They smile down upon us from their lofty intellectual peaks and settle us to their own satisfaction by fastening uh, upon us the reproachful term absolutist. <laughs> the Christian is not put out of, of countenance by this show of contempt. He can smile right back at them, for he knows that there is only one who is absolute. That is God. But he knows also that the absolute one has made this world for man's uses. And while there is nothing fixed or real in the last meaning of the words, the meaning as applied to God, for every purpose of human life, we are permitted to act as if there were. And every man does not act thus except the mentally sick. These unfortunates uh, also have trouble with reality. Uh, but they are consistent. They insist upon living in accordance with their ideas and of things. They are honest, uh, social problem. Very and yeah, it is their very honesty that constitutes them a social problem. The idealists and relativists are not mentally sick. They prove their soundness by living their lives according to the very notions of reality, which they in theory repudiate by counting uh, upon the very fixed points which they prove are not there. They could not earn, sorry, they could earn a lot more respect for their notions if they were willing to live by them. But this, uh, but this they are careful not to do. Their ideas are brain deep, not life deep. Uh, wherever life touches them, they repudiate their theories and live like other men. The Christian is too sincere to play with ideas for their own sake. He takes no pleasure in the mere spinning of gossamer webs uh, for display. All his beliefs are practical. They are geared into his life. By them he lives or dies, stands or falls for this, uh, stands or falls for this world and for all time to come. From the insincere man he turns away. The, sin the sincere plain man knows that the world is real. He finds it here when he wakes to consciousness, and he knows that he did not think it into being. 
It was here waiting for him when he came, and he knows that when he prepares to leave this earthly scene, it will be here still to bid him goodbye as he departs. By the deep wisdom of life, he is wiser than a thousand men who doubt. He stands upon the earth and feels the wind of the rain, the wind and the rain in his face, and he knows that they are real. He sees the sun by day and stars by night. He sees the hot lightning play out of the dark out of the dark thundercloud. He hears the sound of nature and the cries of human joy and pain. These he knows are real. He lies down on the cool earth at night and has no fear that it will prove uh, illus- illusory, be under him, illusion or fail him while he sleeps. In the morning, the firm ground will be under him, the blue sky above him and the rocks and trees around him as when he closed his eyes the night before. So he lives and rejoices in a world of reality. With his five senses, he engages the real world, all things necessary to his physical existence he apprehends by the faculties of which he has been equipped by the God who created him and placed him in such a world as this. Now, by our definition, God is also real. He is real in the absolute and final sense that nothing else is, all other reality is cognig- cogn- contingent. contingent, that's it. All other reality is contingent upon his. The, reali- the great reality is God, who is the author of that lower and dependent reality, which makes up the sum of created things, including ourselves. God has uh, objective existence, independent of and apart from all notions which we may have concerning him. The worshiping heart does not create its object. It finds him here when, he, when it wakes up from its moral slumber in the morning of its regeneration. Another word that must be cleared up is the word reckon. This does not mean to visualize or imagine. Imagination is not faith. The two are only different from, but also stand in sharp opposition to each other. Imagination projects unreal images out of the mind and seeks to attach reality to them. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which already which is already there. God and the spiritual God and the spiritual world are real. We can reckon upon them with as much assurance as we reckon on the familiar world around us. Spiritual things are there, or rather we should say here, inviting our attention and challenging our trust. Habitually, our trouble is that we have established bad thought habits. We habitually think of the visible world as real and doubt the reality of any other. We do not deny the existence of the spiritual world, but we doubt that it is real in the accepted meaning of the word. The world of sense intrudes upon our attention day and night for the whole of our life. It is clamorous, insistent, and self-demonstrating. It does not appeal to our faith. It is here, assaulting our five senses, demanding to be accepted as real and final. But sin has so clouded the lenses of our hearts that we cannot see that other, uh, that other reality, the city of God shining around us. The world of sense triumphs. The visible becomes the enemy of the invisible, the temporal of the eternal. That is the curse inherited by every member of Adam's tragic race. 
At the root of the, ch- of the Christian life lies belief in the invisible. The object of the Christian's faith is unseen reality. Our uncorrected thinking, influenced by the blindness of our natural hearts and the intrusive uh, ubiquity of visible things, tends to draw a contrast between the spiritual and the real. But actually, no such contrast exists. The antithesis lies, or the antithesis lies elsewhere, between the real and the imaginary, between the spiritual and the material, between the temporal and the eternal, between the spiritual and the real, never. But it says, but between the spiritual and the real, never. The spiritual is real. If we would rise into that region of light uh, and power, plainly beckoning us through the scriptures of truth, we must break the evil habit of ignoring the spiritual. We must shift our interest from the seen to the unseen. For the great unseen reality is God. He that cometh to God must believe that he from Hebrews and that he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. It's from Hebrews 11. This is basic in the life of faith. From there, we can rise to unlimited heights. You believe in God, said our Lord Jesus Christ. Believe also in me. Without the first, there can be no second. If we truly want to follow God, we must seek to be otherworldly. This I say, knowing well that the, wor- uh, that the word has been used with scorn uh, by the sons of this world and applied to the Christian as a badge of reproach. So be it. Every man must choose his world. If we who follow Christ uh, with all the facts before us and knowing what we are about, deliberately choose the kingdom of God as our sphere of interest, I see no reason why anyone should object. If we lose by it, Uh, The loss is our own. If we gain, we rob no one by doing so. The other world, uh, which is the object of this world's disdain and the subject of Drunkard's Mocking Song, is our careful chosen goal and the object of our holiest longing. But we must avoid the common fault of pushing the other world into the future. It is not future, but present. It parallels our familiar physical world, and the doors between the two worlds are open. Ye are come, says the writer of uh, writer to the Hebrews, and the tense is plainly present. Unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, that might be. All these things are contrasted by the mount that, be, uh, that, that might be touched, and the sound of trumpet, and the voice of words that might be heard. May we not safely conclude that as the realities of Mount Sinai were apprehended by the senses, so the realities of Mount Zion are to be grasped by the soul. And this not by any trick of the imagination, but in downright actuality. The soul has eyes with which uh, to see and ears with which to hear. Feeble, 
they may be from long disuse. But by the life-giving touch of Christ, alive now and capable of sharpest sight and most sensible hearing. Yes, Lord, let that be. Kevin, you want to finish this off there? Sure. As we begin to focus upon God, the things of the Spirit will take shape before our inner eyes. Obedience to the word of Christ will bring an inward revelation of the Godhead. Hmm. John 14, 21 through 23. It will receive, it will give acute perception, enabling us to see God even as, uh, even as is promised in the pure heart, even as is promised to, to the pure heart. A new God consciousness will seize upon us and we shall begin to taste and hear and inwardly feel the God who is our life and our all. There will be, uh, there will be seen the constant shining of the light that uh, that lights up every man that comes into the world more and more as our faculties grow sharper and more sure God will become to us the great all and his presence the glory and wonder of our lives can I do the prayer yes please awesome oh God quicken to life every power within me that I may lay hold on eternal things yes Lord open my eyes that I may see Give me acute spiritual perception. Enable me then into thee and know that thou art good. Make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. Amen. Amen. So that's the end of, uh, of the fourth chapter, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Yeah, so what we wanted to do last week when we read this thing, we, had, we took a, a short break and said like, Let's let's gather our thoughts after reading and uh, and I kind of last week when we finished the prayer I was like holding back tears you know uh, and this week I, I have uh, I have an immediate kind of emotional reaction where it's like man I know that this has stirred things in my my personal life uh, that I want to live differently by uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and share kind of uh, what this stirred in me personally and then Kevin will share his kind yeah. of personal stuff and then and then we'll kind of take a step back and break down what the chapter is talking about. Uh, We'll, we'll kind of pause and, and, and kind of discuss that with each other and, and see where we want to go. Uh, and there'll probably still be personal stuff sprinkled, you know, throughout when we're describing the general yeah, no uh, stuff of the chapter. But, but for me, this stirred, uh, this stirred like a, a great hunger to like have my eyes really opened, you yeah. know. Uh, I know that Jesus, he operated uh, in a peculiar way um, and and it's because like he always saw what the father was doing uh, and he always said what the father, he, what he heard the father saying. He could hear and see the father while even though the physical world was all around him demanding and even though he literally had people all the time wanting something from him, even though he was a lot of times running for his life, you know, like he still had a way of digging in deeper and seeing the father and hearing from the father. So it, uh, it, it kind of caused like a a deep hunger for that inside of me. And also it reminded me of a time in my life when this contrast of uh, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven and even the kingdom of darkness and how that kind of is interplaying with the kingdom of the world. Uh, a really good friend was really polarized and made obvious to me. Um, 
I was talking to, I have a really good friend uh, who just lost her mom uh, recently. And I was talking to her about this uh, not too long ago. But like uh, with the death of my brother in 2013, uh, that was a time where uh, he died in a, in a really tragic way. He committed suicide uh, from all the evidence that we have. Uh, and, and really like it, uh, it obviously was the hardest thing that I've been through in my life so far. Uh, it was the ugliest thing that I'd ever like that has ever personally touched me, you know. Uh, but I'll say this: it made me so aware of what's actually real and what's actually important. That actually, the verses that God would minister to me with, like that, the, what Jesus, what I heard Jesus saying to me over and over again, when I would go to Him, He would just say, "Now, just look at me. Just look at me. Fix your eyes on me. Don't look at what is seen." but see what is unseen, right? And he was calling me to this thing that Tozer's talking about, like not to just, not to just trust my, like my five senses physically, but to, but to have like the, my, the senses of my soul opened up to where I would actually taste, taste and see where I would actually, uh, actually hear from God, right? Uh, I'd actually be able to reach out and take hold of him and grasp him, you know, that, uh, and I, and I, I talk about that time uh, and I really highlight the word Emmanuel from the Bible because this is God with us. And even though like Jesus didn't physically uh, appear before me and his body wasn't right there in front of me, certainly I felt that way a lot of times uh, because spiritually I was taking hold of him and God was with me in a way that I never, I never felt him before. And so that's kind of what it reminded me of. And there was a shock to my system uh, that caused me to get there. But I think that like he, like he was saying at the beginning, like I think that over time, uh, my spiritual senses can be dulled and can be out of practice because my faith isn't being implemented. I'm not choosing, I'm not asking God like to help me with my unbelief, to open my eyes, to see. I'm just, I'm just gone throughout life, if not interacting with the physical uh, and not interacting with the spiritual, even though the spiritual is, if not just as real, it's probably more yeah. real, right, than the physical. But, but uh, so many times I, I don't see that. What I'm seeing is only the physical. So that's kind of my, my knee jerk. Uh, response and kind of my uh, what I want to what I even want to commit to within myself is to say like Lord I want this like I want to I want to I don't want to wait for heaven as if it's something in the future it's present you know no doubt I think for me um, well every every chapter we read I'm just reminded again of like it's been so long since I've actually read the book and I'm just reminded of how much I love it and how much it challenges me um, yeah I think the thing in this chapter that really challenged me, I think it's really just what the whole chapter is about, those interacting with, with God as more than an idea and more than a theory. Yes. Um, as a person to be known. And even as I was driving over here today, I was even just thinking about like, um, and this isn't very clearly thought out, so have grace for me. Dude, we got so uh, much grace, bro. Uh, but how... Jacob is named Israel, and Israel is the one who struggles with God. And it always yes. has just seemed like such a s stupid name <laughs> to name the your, one who fights God. Yeah, God's chosen people. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna name them. Struggles with me. <laughs> I'm gonna name my people. Fights with me. Yeah. So that always seemed kind of. That's actually really funny. Yeah, it seemed yeah. kind of silly to me. Yeah. Uh, that's God's chosen people are the people who struggle with God. But yeah, I think yeah. I think there is some. There's a part of knowing. In struggling, sure. in like, uh, in being real, in like what we talked about last week with unveiling and like yeah. being real, 
and not just being uh, content with a neat doctrine, with yes. just a neat theory yeah. of like, oh, well, this is the evidence, therefore he must be like what Tozer was talking about. Yeah. But, but like, no, actual sense. He must be, so I must know him. Yeah. You know, and not just in a factual sense, but in a personal, like, yes. personality knowing. Yes. I think that's sort of where it's hitting me right that's now good. this week. So That's good. Yeah, I, like, I really like how you, you're breaking down the, the name Israel there. Uh, and I think this chapter is, like, it's kind of digging deeper into something that was mentioned in last week's chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the, the, the prophets versus the scribes, like that we can mm-hmm. know a lot about God. Yeah. And we can, so he's talking about kind of in a religious sense, we can know a lot about God through scripture and be scribes, but we need to experience him and actually see him and go in past the veil, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and actually experience him that way. And now he's saying like, He's even just saying like, but a lot of people even in the world believe in God, even if it's not the Christian God, they deduce that he's God. Yeah. And like, and even a lot of Christians, uh, they, they proclaim to the, have a relationship with God, but they don't, they don't actually experience that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that they treat God is just like, he's an idea, you know? Uh, but the fact, the fact of like how you're highlighting wrestles with God or struggles with God, you know, mm-hmm. to, like. Uh, that Hebrew word, I, I don't know what it is, but it's somewhere between like wrestles and struggles and f- mm-hmm. even fights. You know, some people have, I've heard some scholars even use the word like fights with God, you know, yeah. like, which is a little bit like more, uh, more even extreme yeah, than more I was aggressive. thinking of it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, I just think about when you're wrestling people, like you're, you're looking for, you're looking for a way to kind of get a hold mm-hmm. of them and ha- to where you can handle them. Yeah. Right? Kind of like studying them in a way of like, yes. And like, and fighters, like good fighters, like sometimes I listen to people that do Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And those guys are like like animals, right? But it's like they're playing chess. It's mm-hmm. very much yeah. a cerebral thing, and they don't gas their body out or depend on their strength. It's very much like they're responding to each each time that like a really good like black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, from what I understand, I don't know anything <laughs> about it really, but from what I understand yeah. is like like they'll feel your body move yeah. and then like they they know how to move in response. Because they because they know, well, if I move this way, then five steps down the line, this guy's gonna have me. Yeah. So they move in this way. And it's like they're like they're like it's like they're playing chess because it's like with their body and with the way that they move. Yeah. And I think that there's something really cool to think about wrestling with God because it's like each time that I think that I understand him, it's like he's like, oh. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm in a headlock, you know, like, it's yeah. like each time I think that I've got him, it's like, there's something deeper to him to, to have, to have hold of. And like, and really that's what I'm trying to do with my whole life right now is with my mind, with my heart, I'm trying to understand him. And so I'm trying to grab, grab hold of him in some way that I can actually like handle him and like feel him and experience him. But it's like, he's so, he's obviously God, right? Yeah. And so he's so wily and it's like trying to lift a thousand pound stone. It's like around stone where do I even pick this thing up I couldn't lift a thousand pounds anyway but even if I could yeah. I would probably need handles right yeah uh, but it's like it's like that with God I'm like trying to see like how can I like man how can I get hold of you God uh, and how can I really have you right and so I feel like it is this kind of wrestling match and this going back and forth yeah. you know yeah and I think even even just to highlight even what you're saying of like in the in the like Brazilian jiu-jitsu match like you're talking about like they they know the other person, you know, mm. like it's, yes. it's not just a, um, a faceless sort of, uh, yes. in making this comparison, a faceless idol, um, of the old Testament, mm. uh, but like that they would know, know them and like be able to respond and interact yes. in that way. 
and interact in a very personal way. For sure, yeah. dude. For sure. Yeah. Some of the like some of those locks that they put you in, you're just like you're 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 almost intimate, you know. <laughs> but it's like yeah. it's like but it's just it is what it is because you're like fighting the other man and like you can even play chess on you can play chess with somebody across the world, right? And you can have kind of a, a match that happens there. But Brazilian Jiu Jitsu can only happen face to face, right? So you're like, on top of each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like it is, and it's like I feel like it's an exchange not of words, but you get to know somebody's character by the way that they're by the way that they're like uh you can say oh like that was a clever move right or Mm -hmm. wow this guy's got a lot of fight in him because like i have him locked up right here and like but he's not but i do you know like i just and again this is coming from a completely inexperienced i don't i don't know anything but but i do i do wrestle with people every once in a while and there's times where i'll grab a hold of a guy and he won't he won't like fight back and i and there's something to me i'm like Oh, you got to learn how to fight, man. Like, I'm like, I'm like, if you're going to do well in life as a Christian, then you've got to learn how to like have fight in you, you know, like, and I'm not trying to put too much into wrestling or read too much into it, but like, there's this thing about it where you do get to know somebody when you wrestle them, you know? So I like that uh, analogy a whole lot. And I think it's cool that by wrestling with God, Jacob walks differently for the rest of his life. Every step for the rest of his life is different because his hip has been touched, you know? And I think that anytime we experience God, like Tozer's talking about, like with our actual senses, where we actually like, Mm. it feels like we've been face to face with him. We can't help but walk differently, even from that place, you know? And we can't help but have a change of identity like he did. He went from, he got a literal new name, but we can't help but have a change of identity, a change of character, walk differently from there on out. Saul sees Jesus Mm. and lives totally differently. Wow, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and really, like so many people throughout the Bible, it just takes one interaction with God, you yeah. know, and and one real interaction, not with an idea, not with a belief set, not with a religion, a real interaction with the living God, mm. you know, and wham, you're you're different, you know. You guys ready to party about this Tozer? Yeah, so I think that we we decided we want to define, we want to help define his definitions of two words because he's a pretty smart fella. And, uh, and he's, he's really, he's some of his, his definition and his, his need to define terms here with the word reality and the word reckon is a response to some of the academics of his time and really even of our times, like, no uh, the relativists and those who challenge like what's actually real, uh, that stuff is still being taught. And like the, the challenge, the idea of any absolute truth or any absolute real thing, that stuff is still being taught uh, in universities and stuff like that. And so he's kind of, his response is kind of funny to me because uh, he's kind of like, oh yeah, man, those guys are so smart, you know, and like, and they kind of sit on their, their lofty, you know, pedestal and yeah. look down on us peons, you know. Uh, but he's kind of, he's kind of, he's saying, but like really if you look at their lives, like they don't live by what they proclaim. Uh, they live as if things are absolute, right? And he said, he said uh, an insane person believes some of the same things, you know, like believes, uh, disbelieves in, in, in realities that exist, but at least they are. Uh, at least they live by what they believe. Now they're mm. insane, right? Uh, but they live by that. And so he's saying, but these people, uh, they're not even genuine enough to, to, yeah. to do that. At least the know? insane person comes by it honestly. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but he's, he's really trying to say though, like, and he, and he kind of makes a statement, you know, like, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, sure. Like nothing is real, I'd say, other than God. 
but God made a real world for us to interact with, you know, like, yeah. and at the end of the day, even that world is not as real as he is. Uh, and, but he says, but that, that he made a real world for us to interact with there. And so he says there is a reality, even if there's not a, uh, a person to perceive it or to take it in or to think about it. Some people, some people challenge the idea of like, if there's a real, uh, if there's a real world kind of outside of yeah, our mind. If you take like philosophy class. Like, yeah. And so if you're not familiar with that philosophy stuff, probably don't even worry too much about this stuff. Um, uh, but he is addressing that, uh, but he's doing it for the purpose to say like, no, there is a real yeah, world to yeah. interact with. And, and in the same way, there is a real spiritual world to interact with that if you will choose to go deeper into that, uh, then it's there, uh, you know? And so, and with the word, with the word reckon, um, Kevin, do you have any, any kind of thoughts on the word reckon or anything, you know, kind of from what we, what we described? Or? Uh, well, I reckon, uh, <laughs> I reckon uh, so. <laughs> uh, I think you probably have better, better grasp on what yeah, I don't know. So, is, I don't know. So the uh, so I heard this word first from my country old Pepaw is what I was telling Kevin earlier. Uh, he used to say, he used to respond and say, yeah, I reckon so. Uh, there's an old Clint Eastwood movie called Outlaw Josie Wills where that's his line. He says, yep, I reckon so. And then I'll spit his shoe in the back real tough, you know. Uh, that's where I would hear that word growing up and I used it. I've also heard Australians use it more than uh, Americans. Mm-hmm. Country people and Australians like the word reckon, <laughs> you know. Uh, so... Yeah. So, but, but really what the word means is to take something in, uh, and to, to kind of, to perceive something mm-hmm. or to calculate something like, yeah, I reckon, I believe this, or I believe that, uh, but, but, but yeah. he really ties it in, not just to a calculation in the mind, he ties it into the senses. So I've always really mostly tied it in with sight, like, like that you can reckon upon a beautiful scene. Like if you, if you look at these mountains, yeah. you, like this is such a, a beautiful thing to behold, a beautiful thing to reckon upon, uh, is the way that kind of like old school people use that word. Uh, by the way, this, this was written, the rough draft of this book was written in night in the late 1940s. And so you'll notice that kind of in some of his language, he uses, he kind of uses some, uh, some hoity toity words. Uh, the sad reality is that as a culture, uh, our Americans reading level has just decreased and decreased through the years. And especially now that we're like kind of scrolling through and getting, you know, very, we're, we're using our, are reading very briefly uh, the way that, that people used to read it. So he's using kind of some of these bigger words, but yeah, take the time to look them up if you don't understand it and don't feel shame like, oh, I don't, I don't want to acknowledge that I don't know what that is. Like, uh, just look it up and just think about it. But the way that he uses this word reckon, he ties it to the senses, uh, not just sight, it seems like, that he's saying like that in order to make a correct uh, presupposition or calculation or assumption uh, of reality, uh, after he defines what he means by reality, uh, that you've got to take it in. And you can take it in through any of these five senses. Uh, and so that's his two words. I don't want to spend too much time on that, uh, but I think that he defines those because he's trying to come to uh, come to uh, shared meaning with these words and trying to say, this is what I mean by this. He's kind of doing a, a smart person uh, like deduction there. Uh, so, But the meat of what he's saying is... Kevin, you want to jump into the meat? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to, he uses this sentence. It says, uh, another word that must be cleared up is the word reckon. This does not mean to visualize or imagine. Imagination is not faith. The two are not only different from, but also stand in sharp opposition to each other. Imagination projects unreal images 
out of the mind and seeks to attach reality to them. Faith uh, creates nothing. Sorry, I wasn't even speaking into the mic. Faith creates nothing. It simply reckons upon that which is already there. And so reckoning, I think he's just, he's really saying like um, the reality of God, we can, uh, like you're saying, perceive it. Even what he's saying with the five senses, mm. perceive it, reckon upon it. And it's yes. not us imagining something and acting as if it's real. Yes. It's us discovering what is real. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Taking in something that is very real yeah. and responding to that. So I, I really like this. The One of the men, because this whole the whole basis of this chapter, he says, is is faith. He's saying like the reason why we, why we, we don't actually act like God is real and he's there to be, uh, to be related with and to have a relationship with is because we lack faith. Uh, in his opening, like his paragraphs, he's saying like, um, even Christians, we don't take it this step further. Uh, we just, we just interact with an idea, but the reason is we don't have the faith that is necessary Mm -hmm. there. Uh, and so one of the great men of faith was Abraham and, Abraham started off as a man named Abram, uh, who interacted with God. He heard, he heard God say to him, leave behind your land and your people and go to a place that I will show you. And he had enough faith to leave behind his land and most of his people. He took his nephew Lot, right? And that ended up giving him some trouble, right? Yeah. But he left behind his land and most of his people. And it's because of his faith and his ability to see beyond what was just in front of him and to say like, no, I believe that there, that this voice that spoke to me, this God is very real. He's more real than what is perceived around me to the point where I'm, I'm willing to do something that seems illogical and leave behind every security in my life and go to a complete insecurity uh, and go to, and take a complete leap of literal leap of faith, right? Uh, To go to a land that I don't even know where I'm going, but this voice will, will tell me. Uh, Now that's pretty incredible. But what happened is the voice validated itself over and over again in Abraham's life. That yeah. Abram always ended up being taken care of, right? Uh, and so Abram, at that point, Abraham had interacted with God for so many years and had seen God's voice and seen God's hand in his life in such a real way that whenever, whenever God said to Abram, Abraham, uh, take your son up a mountain yeah. and sacrifice him to me. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. Mm. So his, he, he had, he reckoned, man, yeah. God, I've, I've seen God. I've felt God. I've heard God interact with me in all these ways. And I've seen, I've seen the, the results of that in my life so many times that, that God will take care of me. Yeah. God is more real than even death. Now, I have lots of experiences with death. Where I've seen, Abram was an old man at that point. I've seen people die over and over again. I've never seen them raised from the dead. But, but my interactions with God are so much more real than all of these other oh, experiences yeah. that I reckon God can raise the dead if he wants. Yeah. Now, that's incredible faith. That's wild. And that's why, like, that's why, that's why Abraham was justified uh, and, and considered righteous because of that amazing, great faith. That, that, I think that's what he's calling us into right here, what Tozer is saying, like, mm. will you interact with God in that way? Because if you do, you'll see God in such a real way. Now, don't you think that whenever, whenever he went up that mountain and whenever he, he was willing to say to God, no, I, I follow you and you are my God. This, this son and this promise that you've given me isn't my God. You're still my God, right? And whenever he took that leap of faith to say, you, you can raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. And he lifted the knife and God stopped him and provided a ram in the bushes. Again, his experience proved to be right. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. His faith in God proved to be right. This this thing that he had reckoned that God was a faithful God, who who he knew that God had promised a lineage, and so he knew like God's not going to kill Isaac off, and if he does, it's not going to be permanent because God has promised a lineage, and so those two don't don't coexist. So as Isaac's going to be fine. Yeah, that is incredible. That's crazy. Now me and you are new fathers, mm-hmm. bro. This has never hit me like it hits me right now. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine, dude. But he chose it. He chose God. And he chose to say, God, you are more real even than my own, even my own love for my son, for, for us to be our love for our daughters. Mm-hmm. You are more real than, than her life, than his life. And I trust you like that. Now, that's incredible faith. And it's out of that faith and that willingness to interact with the living God in such a real way that God mm-hmm. said, out of that man and out of that faith, I want to start an entire lineage that will bless the world. I want the world to see who I am through this man and through this faith that he's shown. Yeah. It's pretty incredible, dude. So we started with Abraham. The truth is Hebrews 11, uh, he quotes a little bit of Hebrews 11 in this chapter. It's where it says that mm-hmm. it is impossible to please God without faith. It's eleven five, because you have to believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is if you'll push in and try to interact with God with your five senses, your five, like, like almost as if there are these spiritual senses of the soul. If you'll push in, God will reward it and you'll see him, you'll touch him, you'll taste him, you'll feel mm-hmm. him, right? You'll hear from him. And so, and so Tozer is trying to, trying to encourage us in that. But he pulls it from Hebrews 11. Abram is the one, Abraham is the one who starts off that chapter. Like consider these great men of faith that have gone before us. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, so we could honestly, Kevin, like we can make this podcast super long and we could walk through all these people in the Bible. And even the writer of Hebrews says, I just listed a few. I could keep going, right? Yeah. But we could list off the one that the writer of Hebrews listed and then we could keep walking through. And the main one that we could point to is Jesus, right? And that's what Hebrews 11 is all these Old Testament people. Who, Hebrews 12, he says, now look at Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of faith. Yeah. If you will look at him, then you'll be able to throw off this sin that so easily entangles. You'll be able to uh, be able to run a race with perseverance, right? Uh, fix your eyes on Him, right? He is what's real. Now, I was trying to share my personal experience earlier, and th- these scriptures, along with some scriptures from, uh, I believe, from First Corinthians, uh, like are, are talking about seeing what is unseen mm-hmm. uh, and fixing our eyes on what is unseen. Now, have you ever tried to fix your eyes on what is unseen? Look at this air right here, Kevin. It yeah. looks great, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to remember there was this one time. Have you ever looked at like a bar that's perfectly like horizontal with your eyes and you try and focus on it? And okay. it, it hurts your eyes. Anyway. Yeah, your eyes are like, ah! But even still, that's seen. That's not, that's yes. not even. Yeah, but that's probably like as close as we can get. Like, because we can't see air. Right. Yeah. I guess if we put it under a microscope, maybe we could see some some O2 and some all the all the different things, the nitrogen and everything that makes up our air that we breathe, right? If we put it under a microscope that was powerful enough. But we can't see air. Mm-hmm. Now, the spiritual world is more more unseen most of the time tangibly. Like I've seen some miracles. God's done some miracles right in front yeah. of me that like it's like, okay, I can't deny. Like homeboy was was couldn't walk and now I can, you know, like, yeah. uh, now that's seen, but, but by and large, my experience is the spiritual world isn't, isn't perceived, uh, with my like literal, uh, f- like physical senses. 
But like, I believe that like it would be more mm. if with my spiritual, physical senses, my, my spiritual, sorry, spiritual, physical, uh, my spiritual senses, yeah. I was engaging more. I believe I would see the kingdom of heaven come and be so real on, uh, in, in, on the earth more if I would choose to engage God like that. Right. Yeah. So you have this list in Hebrews 11, then you have Hebrews 12 and he's like, well, you just look at Jesus, man, man. He look at him the way that he, he lived his life by faith. Fix your eyes on him. Mm-hmm. And again, to go back to my personal experience here, my brother's death was like, that's what God was saying to me. Now, look at me. Look at me. Fix your eyes on me. I'm going to show you how to make it through this. I'm going to show you how to suffer well. Mm-hmm. Not, not just that. Like, I'm going to make myself and my love and my care for you more real than you've ever experienced it before. It made yeah. me like a weepy man. Uh, like experiencing not just the death of my brother, but experiencing Christ in such an intimate way made me a weepy man to where like I would just start to talk about Jesus and I just start to, I couldn't hold it, man. Because I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, Jesus, you've made yourself so stinking real to me. And without you, where would I be? Yeah. You know? And uh, it all came from like experiencing him, like like what Tozer's talking about here, to some degree experiencing him with my five senses. Mm. He's a real God. Mm-hmm. He's more real than reality itself, right? Yeah. C- C.S. Lewis quote. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. that one? Is yeah. that what you're thinking about? I was thinking about that and the Winky chapter. Okay. About like spiritual reality. And that if... Um, yeah. Uh, Winky Prattney uh, is this New Zealand guy mm-hmm. uh, who like, he's still alive, but he writes like, you know, an old dead guy, right? <laughs> because... <laughs> say what? What was, what was his title for himself? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. It was some something cosmic. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yes, dude. He's a he's an awesome guy. Like loves yeah. Jesus a ton, loves people a ton. But he he writes a, he writes a theological book uh, called it's called uh, the Nature and Character of God, uh, and it's kind of a uh, of a layman's theological book. But when you read it, you're like, uh, what layman is he writing? It seems very <laughs> academic, but it's really good. Yeah, and in every chapter, he kind of presents both. Um, two competing views of God yeah. and he doesn't reckon them together. Like he doesn't reconcile them. Mm. He just says like, God's God. <laughs> Here they are. <laughs> uh, Here's another paradox coming at you. Yeah, he doesn't fit in your box, man. Your box is too small. Yeah. Um, but one of the chapters he talks about is how spirit, the spiritual reality is more real than the physical reality. Yes. Because if God came before everything in Genesis and then like he from him was created all things, then he predates like physical existence. Yes. Making him and in, in actuality more real than like the physical. Uh, yeah. And then like the C.S. Lewis, he quotes a, a quote from C.S. Lewis in the chapter. Yes. Uh, I think it's from The Weight of Glory mm. by C.S. Lewis. Mm. And C.S. Lewis is saying, uh, Jesus, whenever Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and he passed through the locked doors. Um, I don't know what gospel it's in. Yeah, it's in several. Uh, it's in Luke for sure. It's in John for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesus, after he uh, is resurrected, he passes through some locked doors. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis says it's not because Jesus was less real than the doors, uh. but it's because Jesus is more real than the doors. Ooh, get him, C.S. And he passed through the doors like he passed through a mist. Uh, because he was more solid than the door. Dang. That's crazy. I love that, dude, because our mind does go to, like, he kind of, like, 
made himself less solid. Yeah. Uh, and, and therefore kind of like less real. Because the way that we interact with the real world is a lot of times what's solid. Yeah. And that's why, like, we went to we went to air, even though air is very real. And I can feel it if I wave my hand fast enough. Mm-hmm. I can feel the fluid friction and the resistance that it gives my hand, right? Uh, but, like, and I can feel the wind when it blows. I can... <sighs> I can feel the breath coming into my lungs whenever yeah. I create a vacuum, right? But like, but it just even air, even though we know it's real and we can feel it in some ways, it still feels like, and it doesn't make logical sense, but it feels mm-hmm. less real than this yeah. cup that I'm touching right now. Even though I know it's not. Yeah, even though I know the air is real, and so so that's where our mind goes to. The more solid something is, kind of the more real it is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the way that we we interact commonly with the world. But he's saying, no, not with Jesus. Jesus made himself more real. And the same way that when you walk through a mist, it's because you're more solid. That's why Jesus walked through that wall. Yeah. And it's like, dang. That's crazy. I love. Mind-boggling. I love that. I love the resurrection body Jesus and how weird it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's like these people who intimately know Jesus, his body is right there, but they don't recognize him. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, right? And then he phases through walls, right? And he still eats. Yeah. But then they can touch the scars on his hand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's so cool. And like, I feel like you get like a Jesus's pre-resurrection body, like before he dies on the cross, even that was like doing weird stuff, like walking on water, mm-hmm. right? So like there's a there's something like where Jesus is more real than, than everything around him. He controls storms, all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then post-resurrection, it's like the fullness of it. Like this is like a post-resurrection body. This is like... It's, it's incredible. So yeah. uh, we could speculate on that. It's real mystical and stuff. But yeah. um, I wanted to, I wanted, there's something interesting, like thinking about this. Like, so he wrote this at a time in 1940. Uh, dude, think about how much people's lives changed from 1900 yeah. to like 1950. Like, like to where like the space race is on. Yeah. Right. And like the atom has been split. Yeah. And like global travel is very easy. Flying. You've got, yeah, you've got automobiles and flying all this stuff so he's in a time where like where and, and it's where people are really in, like trusting in our intellect and in our technology and, and even since then like 1940 to now like think about all like we have a computer in our pocket like all these mm-hmm. different things um have all this innovation innovation that's happening and and one thing that uh in in theoretical physics that's come about is something called the string theory and so from what i've been reading recently is uh they're they're not even sure if like string theory is like solid what the solid way to go you know like it's still it's a pretty yeah. solid theory and it's a, it's pretty well like taught and believed at this point in theoretical physics but like but it's still one of those things is still you know theoretical and stuff so uh so some some big brains are not completely sold on it right but some big brains are like oh yeah this is it string theory <laughs> But what's interesting is when 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 they started to, to do the math within string theory, it started to make a lot of things come together, and the math started to make sense. But they, through the math, started to discover like well, if if string theory is real, and I I'm gonna give a super like layman's brief abbreviation of string theory because I just realized not everybody's gonna know what that is, right? I you lost me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, so, don't, I don't know much about string theory, but I would love to hear what you have to say. Okay, so a really short version in my like my small brain version of it is like uh, is basically that uh, they started to see they tried, started to try to find how small things got okay. right. So they through microscopes we could yeah. look and we could see atoms, but then they started to discover and they thought the atom was the smallest thing. But then they started to discover subatomic particles, okay. which means smaller than atoms, and yeah. within these atoms, and then within them every man is a nucleus right then they started to like uh they started to discover these smaller 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 things and uh electrons and 
uh, and I'm not, this is where I'm, I'm really like, yeah, I'm not, I'm kind of useless once we start to get down to here, but the general picture of it is yeah. then they started to speculate, well, what's even smaller than, than, mm. than subatomic. Right. And, and they, 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 they said like, well, what if at, at the core, uh, even within these subatomic particles within those, there are these things that they started to call strings and there are these things that would vibrate and whatever frequency that the string would vibrate at, uh, would would determine what kind of particle, uh, w- like would determine the nature and the character and mm. the and the properties of the particle that they were vibrating to make, right? Yeah. And so and then that that translates up the subatomic particles make up the atoms. The atoms make up uh, everything, right? Yeah, and yeah. and you, you walk that up to where you have real tangible things, and you have me and you. We have all these atoms within us. We have and if their theory is correct, we have all these strings within us that are vibrating. And every piece of matter that is mm-hmm. in our universe, at the core of it, has these strings that are vibrating. Now that's kind of cool when you think about a God who speaks, mm. and the, and from the echo of His voice that goes across the universe, mm-hmm. the vibration of the the voice of God creates this three-dimensional world and universe that we live in that's freaking right dude you know yeah. so we can get way lost in this but that's kind of the the my probably probably very lacking explanation of it but what's cool is this when they when these big brains start doing the math on this theoretical physics theory called string theory they're like oh we think that there are up to 11 maybe 12 dimensions that are beyond ours. And so the same way that a two-dimensional being would be blown away by the way that, the way that three dimensions are. Think about what the fourth dimension is like. And like they start yeah. to draw, try to draw these four-dimensional shapes, five-dimensional, six-dimensional, but like there's no way to draw these shapes. Yeah, and you can't, you can't really comprehend it. And that. our minds are so wired for the three dimensions that, that we just can't comprehend it. But math is good for like for, for kind of uh, giving us a framework to understand these, uh, these un- understandable things. Yeah. And they think that they're up to 11 dimensions. Now, one day I was watching this thing where this big brain uh, theoretical physicist who's a self-proclaimed, uh, at least agnostic, but atheist, right? He's like, what if there was a being that existed within this 11th dimension or this highest dimension? Think about what he would be able to see and do. And he would exist above time and outside of time. And right, I'm like... Yeah, bro. Like this guy just kind of discovered God <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but what's cool is like the way that this God who is, and whether you want to use the string theory stuff or not, whatever, like yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of bringing that up to say like there is something higher than our universe, more transcendent than the three dimensions, deeper than, mm. right? There certainly is that. And so, uh, and if you want to use physics to describe it, or if you want to, if you want to start to talk spiritual language to describe it, it's there and, and it's there to be interacted with. And yeah. our God who is mm. higher than more, uh, from a higher dimension, but if you want to use that, but really like we're going to use the biblical language, right? Mm. He, he's, he's from the heavenlies. He comes from the more real place. Mm-hmm. He chose to interact in these yeah. three dimensions. Yeah. And, and when he, when he put himself into these three dimensions, mm. he interacted with us as Jesus, right? And like, I don't know how it all works and how it all fits together. It's like mysterious and beautiful and awesome. Uh, but he's real and he's there to be interacted with. Now, yeah. a two-dimensional being uh, wouldn't be able to fathom a th- these three dimensions, right? And so like, think about Mario on your screen uh, when you're playing Super Mario on the on the Super Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have lost a generation <laughs> with that, but that's my reality. That's my childhood, right? He's either looking to his left or looking to his right, but he can't look forward at you. Yeah. 
And so in the same way, like his experience of his two dimensions is going to be so much different than mine because I can pick up the TV and move it around and he will have no idea, right? And so the same way, if a, a higher dimensional being, their experience would be like so much different. I've never heard anyone explain the limits of two dimensions with Mario, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> There's a book called Flatland. I can't remember this dude's name, but it was written uh, even before this this Tozer stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he talks about it, you know, in two dimensions. But that's just how my uh, 1990s childhood <laughs> brain was like, yeah, yeah, Mario, sick. Flatland. <laughs> I know Flatland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I gathered so many coins in Flatland. Bowser, Peach. <laughs> yeah, and so hopefully we're not using you, with, losing you guys with all these <laughs> allusions that we're making to all these other like books and, and these theories and, and stuff like that. But it's just all so dang yeah. interesting to think about. But what Tozer's trying to say is it's not beyond our reach. God can be experienced. He made himself very tangible by making himself into a man named Jesus. And for three years of ministry, but really 33 years of life, our world, our universe experienced the transcendent God making himself into something that is more graspable. But he did it so that he could invite us into something deeper. He said, I'm leaving so that you can have the Holy Spirit, which is mm. something way more deep and way better than if my tangible three-dimensional body was right here in front of you. So what he mm. says in John 14, right? Yeah. I'm leaving and it's better that I leave so that you, I can send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's inviting us into something that's deeper. And there's a whole spiritual realm and a spiritual world that's happening around us that Jesus, even though he was limited to this body like we are, he still saw. He said, I see what the Father's doing. I hear what the Father's speaking. He still saw it and heard it and experienced it with those two senses, but probably with the other senses. Mm-hmm. There are times where angels would come and, and, and attend to him and it probably like physically was being, was being touched by an angel, right? That's another <laughs> 1990 show. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he probably physically was experiencing that, right? And he would hear God's voice speak over him, even where other people could hear it, right? And sometimes it's cool. There's this time in the Gospels where Jesus is like, Everyone around him hears the voice of God yeah. saying like, like, I'm going to glorify myself through you. And Jesus, he says like, really, that was for y'all because like, he's kind of like, I hear that all the time, but, <laughs> but kind of me and the father did that, did it like that so that you guys could hear it so that yeah. you'd be able to believe and have faith, you know? And they're still like, it was thunder. Yeah. Like it was thunderous. Yeah. So like Jesus experienced with this, even though he, he limited himself to like a, a three dimensional tan- tangible, solid body, like us limited in our mortality and everything, uh, but he still experienced the deeper things, the heavenly things. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's all around us. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven, like, and he would pray and say, like, I want to bring your kingdom here, right? Wow. And so, so here, Tozer's trying to say, like, y'all, if you will seek God diligently, according to Hebrews 11.5, he will respond to you. He, he will reward that. You will see into these things. If you have enough faith, your eyes will see what can't be seen. Yeah. That's a paradox. You can't see what can't be seen. The Bible's like, yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) You have faith, boy. You can't touch what is intangible. Yeah, you can. Mm. Yeah, you can. You can't hear the inaudible. Yes, you can. Uh, Not physically, but spiritually, all these things are available to us. Tozer, the last chapter that he wrote, he was saying uh, that this veil has been removed to where we can interact with the living God and his Holy Spirit referring to the Old Testament uh, veil uh, between the Holy of Holies. I feel like now in this chapter four, 
he's trying to describe like, man, this is what it's like on the day to day. He says, anytime, any place. Mm-hmm. That other reality is there. The, the more real reality, the deeper reality is there. Anytime, any place. And yeah. if you so choose, you can interact with it. For those of you listening, I want to ask you, have you ever seen somebody living like this before? Me and Kevin read a book over the, over the year, I guess it was over the summer, by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. And I, again, this is another illusion that I don't, I don't want to take too much time to describe to you who Diedrich Bonhoeffer is, but he's an amazing man. Uh, he was a German man who opposed the Nazi party when they came to the rise of prominence. He was a very, a very like devout Christian, loved Jesus a ton. And you might want to help me with this, Kevin, but apparently some of the Nazi guards, because he got, long story short, he got arrested by mm-hmm. the end of it. Now, I could tell you the rest of his beautiful story. He, 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 had a, he had an easy way out where he was in America, but he chose to go back to Germany yeah. uh, to, to help people there because he knew how, how his country was being like overtaken by this terrible Nazi regime. Now, he's in prison, and the guards, these Nazi guards, they're saying, I've never interacted with a man who behaved mm-hmm. as if God were so real and so near. Yeah, That's what they had to say about him. And he opposed all of their ideals, but they couldn't, they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't deny, it. deny, man, this guy, he acts as if he is, he's just been with Jesus every time I pull him out of his cell. Mm. Yeah, I believe like this guy. And like, and so they saw it all over him. And then his life, the life that he lived, he gave himself up for the people of Germany, Right. Uh, he, he gave himself up because he wanted to be there to oppose the Nazis. He knew that going back to Germany would mean death. The same way that Paul knew when he was, when the Ephesians were begging him not to go to Jerusalem or Jerusalem, Rome, Jerusalem, right? Rome? Uh, I can't Rome. remember his journey. It was Rome, right? Yeah, I think he got arrested in Jerusalem. They were trying to stop him from going to Jerusalem he, because he was going to get arrested. Yeah. He got arrested in Jerusalem and was being sent to Rome. That's right. Okay, yeah. So, but they were begging him not to go. They said, they prophesied it. They said, the man who has his belt tied around him. Now, again, this is from the book of Acts. Hopefully you've read it. But they prophesied, you're going to die, basically. And he's like, yep, but I got to go because it's not about me. He, Paul was seeing into the heavenlies. He was seeing that there was something way more real than his own life, his own death. There was something way more real than the, than the physical and the tangible. And he bet his life on that the same way that Abram bet his own son's life on that same way that all these people of faith throughout the Bible were willing to bet their life on it. Mm-hmm. This God is real. He's, he's there to be interacted with. Jesus bet his life on it. And he's validated mm-hmm. when the stone was rolled away. Mm-hmm. And man, it's beautiful. That's crazy. It's beautiful. So I want to ask you, those people that you've seen in your life that acted as if heaven was so real and heaven was right there, I don't know who you're thinking of, and hopefully you have someone to think of. And if not, just keep following Jesus. You'll meet someone. Or follow him yourself. Maybe you'll become that. Mm-hmm. Interact with him like this yourself. But I want you to think about how powerful their lives were. Mm-hmm. I, like, like I have these examples in my mind, and like I'm like, man, these people, they bring heaven to earth on a daily basis. I hope my phone didn't just stop recording. I think I got a call, but oh well. Yeah, but he's saying these people, they bring, they bring heaven to earth on a daily basis. Um, I want to live life like that, man. Like I want to interact with heaven as if it were real, with Jesus as if, as if he were the realest thing in my life. And I want to bring heaven everywhere I go. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think um, I think the challenge that Tozer's putting before us, it's not um, uh, and, and everything we're talking about, this isn't like a drum-up emotionalism kind of response to this, but like um, but to I think I think whenever we interact with God, obviously things get very emotional. For whenever sure. we interact For with sure. God, but we don't have to like create emotion in order to step into God's presence. For sure, that's a really good point, Kevin. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that of like um, really, uh, yeah, things things most likely whenever we interact with God do get emotional, but whenever we step into His presence and just step into the reality. Um, and just ask to see, to taste, to touch, to yes. to like experience God yes. uh, in a knowable way. Uh, whenever we're stepping into that, um, we don't have to drum up emotion within ourselves in order to like experience something. Yeah, that's really um, good. That's really good. But like we, I just the same way like to touch this table that's real. I don't have to like drum up anything. You know, I just mm. I touch it. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. So. That's really good, Kevin. Yeah, and I think that the way that the senses are used scripturally like a lot of times they're given as a command mm. taste and see yeah. that's an imperative statement there's an implied you there hey you mm-hmm. taste and see uh like fix your eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen fix your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of faith right um yeah i think uh there's a it's it's an it's there's actions that can be taken right uh, that, that don't have to be emotional. It's like, where are you putting your attention? And, yeah. and so, and he does bring up, he's like, man, the physical world is doing everything to mm. draw all of our attention to yeah. it. But will you put your attention through the five senses, whether it be sight or hearing or taste or whatever, like, will you put your attention, will you reckon upon this other world that is actually more real and actually deeper? Yeah. Mm. Sweet, man. You have anything else to add, Kevin? Uh, no. Bro, Kevin, I really love doing this with you, dude. Yeah, I really do. I just love you, man. I love you, Pierce. But can I, is this making you cry? Did we do achieve our goal? You got nothing, um, dude. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not crying either. I mean, <laughs> I mean, should we should we punch each other now? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks, didn't happen. Uh, but you know, it'll be fine, dude. I think, but I really love the the way that you, I think the, just now, like your, your approach was like, Hey, this is practically, you don't have to drum up something emotionally here. Mm-hmm. Just do it, man. Like, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. Like the way to, the way to get there is by like, if, if you need to worship and sing to him, do it. That's going to set your attention on him. If you need yeah. to read the Bible, do that. That's going to set your attention on him. Yeah. You're going to be able to reckon him, you know, like. Whatever it is, do it. You know, like if you need to, if you need to do something physical, right? Like there's times where if I'm riding my, my bike, uh, I've ridden my bike up Nebo uh, for the, lo- the locals here. Because uh, on my road bike, that's like 1,300 feet of elevation gain in like, I don't know, three miles or something on a bike. And so it's tough and it's mm-hmm. basically no brakes. And you got all these switchbacks and stuff for me because I'm not in very good shape as a cyclist right now. And, uh, but when I'm up there suffering in my body, a lot of times my mind goes to the cross mm-hmm. and I start to experience in a more tangible way, the cross. Like, and I'm like, this is nothing compared to the suffering that Jesus went through, no doubt. but it helps me like, but I don't get to suffer in my body very often. 
Yeah. Right. And I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this sucks. So right. I, I like cut my hand and <laughs> yeah. stuff working on this uh, thing for Holly. Yeah. And I kept like stepping on screws and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like cursing the screws and, yeah. and like cursing the screws children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but then I'm You're like, screw you screws. Yeah. <laughs> Your descendants. <laughs> uh, but uh, then I'm reminded, which I was working barefoot because I was lazy. <laughs> um, but I was reminded of like, like Jesus was actually being literally stabbed by people yeah. and speaking forgiveness. Amen, them. bro. And I'm like beautiful. cursing screws and their children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like inanimate objects. I'm getting like ticked off. Yeah, bro. So like just, yeah, was reminded then too of like, Man, I'm I'm not good at suffering. I need Jesus' yeah, help. Yeah, but but it's even cool, man. You were you didn't just interact with the 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 physical right there mm-hmm. and say, "I oh, man, I just hurt my foot," you know, and then just keep moving on. You you stepped into something more real there, mm-hmm. but you were like spiritually, Lord, like I'm experiencing you in a different way now through mm-hmm. this physical experience. I'm experiencing something spiritual. Like I'm understanding your cross differently now. And brother, there's been times where God has very powerfully moved in me like mm-hmm. that, you know, like just with those random little things like that. Yeah. So I think th- there's, there are different ways that you can start to engage God with your senses, but I'd say like, go for it. You know, yeah. like, um, he's not an idea to be, to, just to be understood. He's not a religion just to be followed. He's not just some rules. He's not a social club that you join your little church, right? Mm-hmm. Like, man, he is a real and a living God. Mm-hmm. What a what a, an amazing thing! What a terrifying thing! Yeah. On one hand, like, wow, but also like, what an amazing thing that that massive um, God Creator uh, would choose to have a, a real relationship with me. Yeah, that's the shebang right there, bro. It's beautiful. He is to be glorified. We are made in His image. Let us be restored to do that. Hmm. So I'm gonna pray this prayer uh, that Tozer prays at the end. Uh, I'm gonna pray it one more time over us. And then I reckon we'll wrap it up there. Awesome. Do you reckon? I reckon. Oh, let's do it. Oh, God. This is what Tozer says. Oh, God, quicken to life every power within me that I may lay hold of eternal things. Open my eyes that I may see. Give me acute spiritual perception. Enable me to taste thee and know that thou art good. Make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. Woo! Amen. Amen. Lord, make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. God, will you help us? Will you help us, Lord? We believe, but help us with our unbelief, Lord. We have faith, but we need more of it. We help us to really and genuinely experience you throughout our days. You made yourself available. You died to do it. And so help us to do whatever it takes to, for us to get there with you. Yeah, we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Sweet. So I reckon you guys can join us next week. Uh, we're currently working on getting, uh, we, we happened upon this medium uh, on the third chapter. Right? Yes, I believe so true. this is the fourth chapter. Uh, the first two chapters, we, we went through other mediums, but we're going we're gonna to get a podcast done on the first two chapters also, and we'll probably get it posted up this week sometime. Uh, regardless, join in with us on this book. Like those chapters take maybe 15 yeah. minutes to read each. Uh, I know they're dense, but like that's the reason why we're trying to process them like this together. And so yeah. read with us, y'all. Uh, and I think that God will change your life if you'll let him, you know. Um, we're going to be going through chapter five next week. 
Uh, chapter five is called The Universal Presence. <laughs> whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? That's how it starts. So we're going to uh, we're gonna be going over that next week. We would love for you guys to join us. Uh, if you found this encouraging and helpful, share it with your friends. Uh, we're obviously putting some time and some work and some effort into it. It's mainly for our students. Uh, me and Kevin are full-time ministers to college students at a university called Arkansas Tech University. And, uh, and so that's what we do. So this is mainly for them, but also like, man, we just want to bless anybody. We are currently during the, uh, the 2020 COVID-19, uh, epidemic, uh, pandemic. And so some really serious stuff happening there. Uh, but we, we want to try to, we're currently, a lot of people have been relegated to just connecting to others online. And so we're trying to meet a need that we think is there in a way that we think might actually be meeting it. Uh, we hope that this is helpful. So if you find this helpful, share it. Uh, if you want to invite your family to read this with you, uh, invite them, whoever's in your life, uh, read the Bible with them, read, read through the pursuit of God with them, um, read through other stuff with them. But like, this is what we're on right now. So process this with us. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Kevin, you got any, uh, you got any jokes you want to tell to finish this up? See you, see you next week, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is truly a joke. <laughs> if you listen to the last week's podcast, then you'll get that. Uh, and if not, uh, sorry about it. it. Go listen to it. All right, sweet. Love you guys. We'll see you all later. <laughs>